Welcome to another episode of Akeem's Dream Show. Today we're going to be talking about Always Lit, the end of sobriety. Now lit in the common vernacular of the Utes, all the youngins these days, you lit is a way of saying you're, you're turned up, you're on something, on that molly, on that drank, on that goose, on that hennessy, on that rose. It just means that you're on a substance. That's what mean that's what being lit means. So as a society, I'm gonna forecast that the end of sobriety is near. There is a day that is coming soon where we will no longer be sober as a collective in society. Only the youngins will know what it feels like to be truly sober in the moment. It's important to point out this. We've always as a society felt the need to stimulate ourselves come up come down level out take the edge off whatever vernacular you want to use this has been going on for a hot minute a lot of the stresses of the day get us down or get us up so we need to come down we need to come up it totally makes sense maybe we're tired maybe we are we're too hyper getting lit does have a function but what happened to being sober you know if we think about the definition of sobriety it's abstaining from drinking alcohol or taking intoxicating drugs. Another way of thinking of sobriety is refraining from the use of addictive substances. So let's think about it. Anything with regards to drinking alcohol, that's a no-brainer. Taking intoxicating drugs and the use of addictive substances. Well, so I'll break down the substances and, and all, the, all the substances that might influence us being lit. I'll break it down one by one and explain how if you're listening to this, you do one of these substances and you are therefore not sober. And if you are one of those rare folks out there, one of those rare squares, I think they call them, or teetoddlers, who don't do any of these following lists, then there is hope for humanity. But I would say the rest of us are jolly well fucked. Let's start with coffee. Most people would identify with being night owls now. Staying up super late. And then they have to wake up. They have to wake up and go to work. So people drink coffee. Tim Hortons, Starbucks. And we drink a lot of coffee in Canada. If you drink coffee, it's more than likely you're drinking more than one. And what does coffee do? Well, it's a stimulant. It's like a little booster shot in the morning. A little slap on the ass on the way out the door. Woo! If you get that blonde roast, holy smokes. I don't do blonde roast anymore because I had a blonde roast at 9 o'clock in the morning one time. I didn't go to sleep. I pretty much stayed up all night. So whatever the whatever caffeine is in the bean of a dark of a blonde rose coffee, it's more than advertised. Dark rose coffee, that's okay. That's what I do, right? Because I don't need to be buzzed all day, and forget drinking coffee after two o'clock. Now, of course, when you're stimulated, you're not sober because it's affecting your state. But if we're thinking about coffee, coffee's got that special, unique stronghold in society where I think people don't even need it because they're tired. It's just, it's just a vice. And you could almost think all of these are to be vices. Everything could be a vice on this list. But coffee, man, coffee is unique. I can remember when I was working at Trail Appliances, and we used to go to the Tim Hortons every every day in the morning. We fill up the truck, and uh, get the appliances in the back. This is in my early twenties. I still remember it like it was yesterday. 
and we'd get the appliances in the back, then we'd, uh, you know, fill up the truck with gas, and we'd go to the Timmy's, and we're in the Timmy's lineup, and we'd be there about the same time every day, so I'd see the same motley crew of fellas, ladies and gents in the lineup, getting their coffee, coffee on the way out the door, so I used to see the same guy, this guy was about 6'4", skinny, skinny as the day was long, the guy only had two dimensions, and he'd be in the line, and he'd order a Gretzky, and I hear him say Gretzky, I'm like, this guy's a big hockey fan. Every day, every day, every day. And then one day I just I just piped up and asked. I'm like, man, I, I asked him, I was like, hey, what's up, man? I'm like, what's a Gretzky? And he goes, oh, that's um, that's the drink I get here. What do you mean, what's that's the drink? Well, Gretzky's number was, you go, that's Gretzky's number. Gretzky's number was 99. So I get an extra large coffee with nine sugars and nine creams. And I didn't drink coffee yet at the time. I was still a hot chocolate guy tea guy and I go that's sir that's that's a milkshake that's not a coffee he goes well it's uh does the trick for me and I'm not sure what happened with it he was drinking a milkshake every morning he might as well be he might as well have been drinking a caramel macchiato but I guess he had a really good metabolism or whatnot because he was uh he was skinny as the day is long like I said so he was doing all right but then I didn't even start drinking coffee until I was 25 my, my, my dad used to say, Akeem, you don't need to drink coffee. You're good. And I used to believe that. And then one day my buddy says, Akeem, smell this. We were at like Starbucks or something. He goes, Akeem, smell this coffee. And I smell it. And it smelled aromatic. It smelled like earthy and it had a, I don't know, it had a, like a little earthy scent to it. And I'm, that's interesting. But then I take a sip and I didn't let it hit my whole palate because there's different taste buds on your tongue, right? The, the front, I think, is sweet and the middle is like, the middle is more for musky scents, and then the back is more for tarty or sour. Anyways, there's the, the distribution of taste buds on your tongue has different receptors. And I never let it go to the full palate, so I never actually got to taste coffee for what it can actually do. But coffee, man, once I actually had my first black coffee, and I, and I was looking for those notes of chocolate and toffee and whatever the blend was of the dark roast, I was hooked. I wasn't hooked to the to the point where I was drinking four and five of these coffees a day, and I drink it black. I'm a purist. I drink my coffee black, I drink my whiskey neat, and I meet people in the streets. I don't use online dating. That's just how I roll, baby. That was coffee, right? And there's a stat out there about how 86% of Americans and Canadians drink coffee. But there's also that stat out there about how 80% of stats are bullshit. So, But if you drink coffee, you failed the first test. You are no longer sober. Especially if you drink it on a daily basis. Good Lord. If you're drinking three and four cups of coffee, you haven't been sober since you started drinking. But we move on to our next vice on this list that prevents you from being sober and always lit. That would be alcohol. Whether you're a gentleman working in the city of London in the UK and you're having a beer at lunchtime, or you're that lady in the suburbs of some metropolitan city and you're taking the edge off after Facebook and all day with a nice little glass of uh, Marlowe, a daily glass of Marlowe, a tall glass. I know some girls who drink a bottle of wine a day. Not a lot, but I, I've heard of it. Even some family members of mine do it. And then you have people like me who drink the odd whiskey every other day. Although I must admit it has, my whiskey numbers have been shot up recently because of the quarantine boredom effect. But of course, when you're drinking alcohol, you are not sober. That's, I mean, you know, that's the most obvious case. I mean, this is 
pretty uh, easy to deduce. We're not going to really hammer this one home. But if you drink, if you drink more than once a week or whatever, or if you drink at all, you fail the sobriety test, you're always lit. Now cannabis is the next step. See if you're always lit or not. Now my, my experience with cannabis was kind of, I was a late bloomer for most things in my life. But cannabis specifically was extremely late. I was probably 21 when I first started, when I, when I tried smoking weed for the first time. It ended up being with my future roommate, a girl I knew from college. I called her up because I trusted her and I knew she was a bit of a experimenter. She was into, she was quite uh, liberal with the drug use um, in the best way possible. Like she was really, she's really cool and she made me comfortable in my first experience smoking weed. We didn't just smoke a blunt. Like she did, uh, she put it in a bowl. Yeah, we smoked a bowl. And I remember getting high listening to uh, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Heart Band, The Beatles, 1967. And uh, we all live in the yellows. <coughs> <coughs> and I apologize if that threw you off, but smoking that bowl, I remember just coughing like a sailor with scurvy. And I was dry heaving for probably 10 minutes straight, trying to get through that. And then I got super high. I remember driving home. It's the first time I ever got high. Leaving her place, and I, and I was driving home, thinking, man, oh, shit. Because I lived at home at the time, thinking about how, oh, man, how am I going to hide this? Because my mom was a bit snoopy, and she tried to look through my car sometimes. And it smelled like, it smelled like Snoop Dogg's house in my car. So there's no way I could hide it. So I put the windows down on the yellow head, driving home. Uh, to share a park and the wind the wind is just flying into the car. It's just I'm trying to oh I'm like I'm in my my dumb my dumb stoner brain. I'm thinking oh this is perfect. It's clearing out all the fucking weed smoke like a dumbass. And then uh, that doesn't do the you know I think it clean it cleans it out. But two three days later I went in there and still smelled like Snoop Dogg garage. Missed the boat on that one. But I go inside and I'm so hungry right the uh, the the infamous munchies kick in. And we had these things called bagel bites. And I used to have maybe cook like, I don't know, 10 or 12 of them. And it comes with 24 on a tray. I took I cooked two trays of bagel bites. Now, I didn't finish both trays, but I finished probably a tray and a half, which is what, 36? 36 bagel bites. And if, you know, if you're familiar with these, they're like little like dough things with like pizza toppings on them. They're like maybe an inch and a half by an inch and a half in a bagel form with little pizza toppings on top. I ate, I ate 36 of these motherfuckers. That's how high I was. Obviously, I was not sober. I was pretty lit. I was lit to the nth degree that night. So, I probably smoked weed maybe 10 times after. I'm not a big weed guy, to be honest. Uh, cannabis guy. Uh, I like that that, lee, that line by Drizzy. Back home smoking legal. Because like, yeah, Drake is Canadian like myself. And the Canadian government, uh, the government of Canada legalized cannabis. So back home smoking legal so everyone was smoking and has been smoking I remember seeing lines at the Nova cannabis store around the block people were just fired up to get stoned <laughs> and then you think about all the drug dealers out here who losing business it's, it's actually pretty smart if you think about it from the Canadian government because you know now you can tax it imagine money tax how much tax revenue they're making uh, off these uh, weed off this weed money there's a stat out there from a Gallup poll that says 12% of people smoke marijuana regularly. And 46% of this 12%, they do it, they, uh, they take in the cannabis via edible. So, 
I'm more of the edible route. I mean the the smoking the getting getting high, smoking the actual doobie, Cheeching Chong style, how high style, the half baked style. That's not really my forte. I like to eat the chocolate or the gummy, whatever, and uh, get a little buzz that way. But you know, 25% of people in the last 12 months have admitted to uh, using cannabis. So that's interesting. I think as uh, you know, during quarantine, a lot of people have resorted to cannabis as a way to kind of just chill out because there's so many things get stressed out over these days. It's good to have a resort like that. But if you smoke weed, you are not sober. If you smoke weed, you're always lit. Now the fourth vice on our list that prevents us from being sober, prevents sobriety, would be psychedelics. Psychedelics. Now we're talking Alice in Wonderland, down the rabbit hole kind of shit. Rose to fame in the 1960s and since then have been a bit stigmatized. And I say it's a stigma because if you talk about mushrooms or psilocybin or LSD and all these other kind of drugs that are mind-altering, there's still a kind of a weird perception out there, right? We've come a long way since Woodstock, where there was hugging tents for the people who were tripping out too bad because they would do LSD and way too much of it. And they didn't know what, what planet they were on. And you had to hug them to calm them down. So we've come a long way since then, but it obviously has a lot more research has gone into it recently, and they, they found a lot of benefits with it with regards to mental health, which is interesting. So... I, we didn't get to this conclusion sooner because Nixon and the government after the whole hippie revolution in the 60s, they stopped uh, funding research that was going into the psychedelics and the, the benefits of it potentially for people. So, But that has obviously changed in the last 5-10 years, especially in Silicon Valley. There's a lot of tech startups that are trying to figure out what the magic is behind this LSD stuff and psilocybin mushrooms and all these mind-altering drugs that may actually have some benefits. And this brings me to my next point with microdosing. And how many people might be microdosing out there? Because I know it's a rising and it's it's a it's a rising trend out there with regards to even the highest of the highest of business leaders. You think about Silicon Valley's influence, a lot of these people in corporate America, they are a lot of the the biggest the biggest um asset class within corporate America is being talented of course but that's very vague what it really is is being creative being a creative deal maker being a creative marketer being creative blah 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 fill in the blanks and a lot of creativity has been linked back to this ability to get out of your mind get out of your mind little John song so people who and I can speak to this personally you know who have done psychedelics they have an out-of-body experience in some cases if it's a good trip and you end up having a lot of creative uh, creative juices in some cases, depending on what your intention is for the for the session. But yeah, psychedelics, obviously. If you're doing psychedelics, you're not sober. So, you're lit. I'll tell you a story about my psychedelic journey. I didn't do my first psychedelic till I was 28. And I was a little bit older. I had first thought about it. I'd thought about it. It was in my peripheral. Like I knew a lot of people who had done mushrooms and went camping and stuff. But I thought never. I was like, oh, I don't really know about it. And then I read a book by Anthony Bourdain where he said he used to do LSD and psych psychedelics every other month. So he had done it hundreds of times over his life, and he th he thinks that it had helped him a lot. And then I met a met a lady 2019, 
and she turned me on to the idea of psychedelics and then that kind of fizzled out but she planted that seed to the point where I took it upon myself to take a psychedelic drive into the middle of the Rocky Mountains by myself and camp and found a spot in the middle of the woods where I couldn't be bothered and down the hatch and see what would happen. Let me tell you the the trip from Edmonton to the mountains was nice but the real trip was legendary and for those of you who haven't done it by yourself or haven't done it at all holy smokes I don't even think lit does it justice but I was out in the clouds up in the clouds with those eagles baby I was taking it easy taking it easy don't let the sound of your own wheels drive you crazy I was like Lucy in the sky with diamonds. Lucy in the sky with diamonds. So yeah, psychedelics, crazy shit. Interesting stuff though, the science that's going into microdosing. Might have to do a whole episode about that. Let's summarize this list so far. If you do coffee, you're always lit. If you do alcohol, you're always lit. If you do cannabis, you're always lit. If you do psychedelics or microdosing, you're always lit. And this is the wild card. I'll throw one more into this list that contributes to the reason why as a society we're, not, we're never really sober, it's the end of sobriety. And that would be social media. Facebook, Instagram, Tumblr, YouTube, TikTok, that's the big one now, right? Everyone's on TikTok, ticking their talk, talking their tick. I've done one TikTok. I'm a one TikToker. It's on my, it's on my Instagram if you wanna go check it out under my 2020 B-roll. Under the Hamptons, I, me and these, uh, these two ladies I know, we did the dance in the forest. And that's the only TikTok I'll do, I think. But I could be wrong. Maybe I'll jump on it and start drinking the Kool-Aid like everyone else. But the reason I say you're lit and you're not sober if you're on social media, because let's go back to the definition. Refraining from the use of addictive substances. Would anybody be able to debate me on the fact that social media is one of the most addictive things in the history of mankind? If you're not addicted to social media, then you are truly sober. Because... Number one, good for you. Number two, you have some of the most amazing disciplinary skills I've ever come across. Most people I know, myself included, touch our phones. I, I don't know what the stat is, but it's over a thousand times a day. And nobody's getting a thousand messages. I don't care who you are. A lot of the majority, over 90% of these phone touches are unprompted. In other words, we're like crack addicts with these phones. So that being the case... How can we possibly argue, sit here and, and talk about the fact that we're sober if we're addicted to these phones? I would say we're lit. We're lit off Apple, we're lit off Samsung, we're lit off all these companies because they got us high on our own supply. We bought the phone, but we also bought the addiction. What does this all mean? Yes, it might be the end of sobriety. Yes, we may never ever actually be sober again, but is there hope? Because I'm an optimist. I might, be a, I might be a purist like I was saying earlier, but I'm also an optimist. What does this actually mean? Okay, well, I give you. I like to give people challenges, feats of strength. The conclusion for this episode would be, get sober for one day, just one day. No coffee, no alcohol, no weed, no psychedelics, no social media. If you can do a whole day without one of those five things, you, my friends, will be sober. Maybe you'll just have a day where it's just, you know what? I don't need any stimulus. I don't need any come up. I don't need any, any come down. I'm good. I'll return to the crazy hamster wheel tomorrow, but for today, I'm taking a break. And who knows, in the era, in the era of uh, a mental health crisis, 
the likes we have never seen before. Maybe we do not need to get lit. Always lit, yeah, I'm never sober. Always lit, yeah, I'm never sober. Enjoy your vices, ladies and gentlemen. Until next time, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Akeem's Dream Show. Peace.